Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, wherever you're tuning in. We are Slava and Jonathan, bringing you the SideQuest Podcast, where we talk about character development, stories, and all things that are world-building. And we occasionally take side quests because, frankly, that's how conversations work. Just as a reminder, this whole show is spoiler-heavy. So sit back, tune in, and join us on this episode of SideQuest. Here we are, back Here we again are. on Roshar to listen to Kaladin and Shalon and their adventures and what's happening. And first, we talk to Slava and check in with Slava. How is Slava's week going? Slava's week is going better. It's now better. I got the scourge this week. I got really sick last Sunday night. Went into Monday thinking it was a bad flu. Got tested for COVID. Came back negative. Started coming out of the bug. And then midweek, it just hit me again. So a doctor's visits later. I am on antibiotics. Fun. I'm feeling a lot better. Today was the first day in about eight days that I didn't pack up a lung or medicate myself to the point of sleeping through half of it. So fun times for me. Well, quite the uh, quite the eventful week, it sounds like. My week has been going pretty well. We just pulled on another person at work, and so they're going to spin up soon for marketing. And tomorrow I go to that trade show that I've been talking about for a couple episodes. So that should be a good time, Ho- hopefully. Should be a good time. You are in Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, except for chlamydia. That comes with you. Yep. Yep. Well, let's keep this a short episode so you can get a little shut-eye there, Chief. Well, yeah. I mean, it's going to be short naturally, right? It's still 10 chapters. Yeah. It just feels short because uh, we're not jumping around to three perspectives. We're jumping around to like two and then the interludes. So we are looking at chapters 46 through 51 plus three interludes. So let's start with... Kaladin, chapter 46. Give us the rundown. Yeah, man. Kaladin. So we have Kaladin. He's in a high storm, although it's a dream. He's riding a high storm across Roshar. He dreams that he's going through many places, and he even sees our friend Zeth, the assassin in white. And something that feels funny to Kaladin is that he thinks that the assassin sees him, which was an interesting little tidbit. Mm. And he... Also hears a voice call Kaladin a child of Tanavast and Honor and warns him that Odium comes. Kaladin asks, why is there so much war and violence? And the voice responds, Odium reigns. So Odium comes and Odium reigns. Kaladin awakes. I found this interesting. Kaladin, so he wakes up and he sees these dark figures, which he mistakes, I guess, for whatever. Because he starts fighting them off. It turns out it's his bridgemen trying to prevent him from going out into the high storm. Kaladin's so starting to sound like Dalinar. Very much so. That's what I'm about to say, that Kaladin and Dalinar are experiencing the same sort of a phenomena. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else happens then? So the Bridge Four gets a new crew member who's a parchment. Kaladin sees a prostitute being abused, starts to intervene, meets Adelin. Adelin gives him a message to take to somebody, and Kaladin's like, forget that guy. Does take his money, though. Does take his money. Because all light eyes are the same. So we're given um we're given a snippet of Kaladin's history, and we see Kaladin in charge of men in Amaram's army. They're in battle. 
and he begins losing men. He sees that the other side has a shard bearer. He runs towards the shard bearer. He commands his men to go towards the shard bearer because the shard bearer is on Amaram and is killing Amaram's men and is about to kill Amaram and all his men are flying about, running away, and also flying about from the, you know, being struck by the shard blades. And he kills the shard bearer and he kills them really stealthily by piercing the eye opening, the slit of the eyes in the shard blade. He gives the shard blade to one of his men and leaves. Amaram comes back later, kills all his men, and takes a shard blade because it wouldn't look right if Calden had it. <sighs> and then that's where he gets branded as a slave. Hylor so... Amaram. Meridas Amaram. Fun note, because it's going to take us a while to get there. Gavilar, the dead king, right? Mm-hmm. Tried to force Yasna to marry Amaram. No crap. Yeah. Yeah, so that's your fun little tidbit today of of like future moments go. of the story that uh, you it's in it's in prologue. I want to say it's in Rhythm of War, maybe the prologue, because every one of the prologues, and maybe I've said this before, but I'll repeat it anyway in case we got some new listeners. Every one of the prologues are from the same event, which is the night that Gavilar died, but they're all written from someone else's perspective. Yes, you said that, but it's worth re- worth repeating. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, so I think it was Rhythm of Wars. In fact, I'll just check real quick. Yeah, so what I uh, while you check, I'll chat for a bit. What I found interesting about that that scenario is I kind of imagined somebody else other than Amram betraying betraying Kaladin. That came as a as a surprise. But then as I started to think about it, how far, you know, the the apple isn't far fall from the tree because if Amram's no. cousin is a piece of garbage, yep. Amram could have done something to keep his word to Liren about Tian. And that made me think about his relationship to his cousin and, well, how does that relate to the rest of the family? So, there we go. Here, I'm, I'm going to give you a... This is from Rhythm of War, but the, the spot that I was really looking for was somewhere else. But to save time, I'm not going to bother finding it, especially because it's so, so distant from now. Navani sniffed. You speak to her if you want, if what you want is so important. Maybe you could do it yourself for once. Besides, I don't care for Amaram. Yasna can do better. He froze, then looked back and spoke in a low, quiet voice. Yasna will marry Amaram. As I have instructed her, she will put aside this fancy of becoming famous by denying the church. Her arrogance stains the reputation of the entire family. That's your little future tidbit there. There you go. Maybe Yasna and Calvin can have something to talk about. If they ever meet. If they ever meet. Uh, I, I think of all the things that they could talk about, uh, it like just registered, like I heard what you said, but it like took a second to, to come back. Uh, of all the things that they could talk about, I, I really don't think their distaste, their joint distaste for Amaram is the thing that they want to talk about. Just so you know, I'm, you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So that's my rundown. Yeah. Of what I remember from a pre-fevered state of last week. A couple things that you didn't touch on for Kaladin's section. One of Kaladin's men is a world singer. Yeah, that's right. Zigzal. And the new one, Shen, being a Parshman, do you see that being an issue? No, I guess, because Parshman are different than the Parshendi, even if they are considered cousins. Mm-hmm. Parshmen seem to be very obedient. They're kind of like Zeth. Like they, they exhibit filial piety towards their owners. There's that um, phrase again, filial piety. So, no, because they are loyal and 
They sort of don't have a will of their own. They follow orders without question. They're very quiet. They seem to have a communications a communication system among themselves, but they hardly speak. And I did read ahead, obviously. Shen does get annoyed when he feels that the Bridge Four is not treating the bodies of the dead Parshendi with respect. But other than that, he doesn't doesn't do anything except obey orders. Fair enough. I just figured I'd throw some questions out there, see what you're yeah. thinking right now. So, in this same section, I want to talk about Ziggs in a second, but you mentioned Odium, right? And part of what happens, Cal asks Syl about Odium, and she hisses and flies off without a word. Yeah, that's right. Yep, I remember so, that. So, what's that about? Who's Odium? What's Odium? Well, Odium is a god. If I remember correctly, the little bit of digging around I did four episodes ago, he's a world hopper. And one of the kings that we met, I think, if I remember correctly, one of the kings that we've met already, somebody has his shard, right? Mm-hmm. So, he's a god, and he seems to like war, if we're going to trust Kaladin's dream, at least. Sure. If it's an actual vision, like Dalinar, Dalinar is getting. Uh-huh. And again, I'm saying that because I now read a little bit ahead, and Dalinar's visions are now even apparent to his sons to be trustworthy, or at least worthy of investigation. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to take all those data points, and here's Slava's adventure with uh, the Way of Kings, his make an assumption, a god, or at least a very powerful somebody who can world hop. And for some reason it, it interests him or be it interests him or it's beneficial to his interests to have these wars specifically on Roshar. Mm -hmm. What the high storms have to do with it too early for me to even make an assumption. Sure. Okay. So a couple things. Odium is not one of these Kings that you've mentioned. Uh, just a quick correction there. And, um, Odium is some sort of god-ish type being. There was an epigraph that I drew attention to a few episodes ago that mentions a character named Rays. Right. The writer of the epigraph was talking to somebody else and mentions Rays in that epigraph. Yeah, remember, remind me what chapter that was. I'm going to go back to it and look. Uh, it was in the 30s. Yeah, I think it was episodes ago here 18 actually oh wow 1819 it said ati was once a kind and generous man and you saw what became of him rays on the other hand was among the most loathsome crafty and dangerous individuals i've ever met he holds the most frightening and terrible of all the shards ponder on that for a time you old reptile and tell me if your insistence on non-intervention holds firm because I assure you, rays will not be similarly inhibited. So, okay. So, is rays odium? Yes. Okay. And his shard is... Odium. Odium is the shard. Odium is the shard. Rays is the guy. Okay. Odium comes. So the shard is coming. So Kaladins get worn and the shard is coming. Mm-hmm. And this shard reigns. That's why there's so much war. Mm-hmm. So Odium is not a person. Odium is a shard. That makes a lot more person sense. Person being, yeah. I mean, it, I, I kind of see it interchangeable because, but if you mean by person like a human, then no, you're correct. Right. That's what I mean there. Okay. All right. So not, not being. Okay. 
So that makes sense. So the the fun thing here is on your second read through, because you'll have you know four Stormlight Archives books under your belt and then a few others probably as well. You'll catch the bigger picture that's being woven here. The bigger picture requires information from Mistborn, Era 1, and Era 2 for what's going on in the Cosmere as a whole, where Roshar is integral to the bigger picture, but so is Mistborn. When you do the reread, there's a lot of stuff that we've covered so far that is relevant to Mistborn that you would pick up on as you go and do a reread, but you have to read Mistborn first, which is a lot shorter. These no- Mistborn novels are a fraction of the size compared to the Stormlight Archives. But this information is all building towards a bigger... It's the, it's the equivalent in literature form to Endgame with Marvel, where they took 10 years to build this thing, except Sanderson's vision is far greater. So I told you, well, I think it was last episode, that... In a few chapters, you were going to meet Hoyd, and he's not in this section, so we won't talk about him, but Hoyd, uh, what was the point I was going to say? Hoyd is relevant to the things that are going on across Roshar, and he plays a bigger role than uh, is perceived in your first read-through. And it's fun because you get to kind of see how he evolves a little bit, um, Sanderson actually in his secret projects and then we'll keep going secret project one came out it's called Tress of the Emerald Sea it's set on a different planet but Hoyt is actually one of the main sub characters which is kind of fun because he gets more screen time and he's just kind of a fun character but the thing about Hoyt in Tress is that he's different and the and another interesting point is that Sanderson wrote Tress to practice writing Hoyd's voice because he's he's got this series that he really wants to write which is Hoyd's like Hoyd centric if you will called Dragonsteel but that is still probably a decade away all right well so anyway that's a lot more information than I normally give you so there's that there is that so so where were we I asked you about Odium that's that's how we got here because That's how we got here, Kaladin right? and, and Syl, and Syl just floats off. Now, before we hit record here, you were telling me that you have some thoughts on Syl? Yeah. Well, in the beginning of this project, yep. like in the first episode, you asked me my assumptions, and a lot of the stuff that I ramble on about are my assumptions about what's coming. And I thought she might have been Shalon or somebody else who was previously... A person, but then became a spren, and became a spren out of her own free will. But then, as we read read further, I you know gathered from from the immediate reading that spren are created beings. So that took out Chalan. And then, as I read this section and the next section, which we won't get into because that's for next episode. What how she's revealed certain things up to this point that she has memories. And she's not like other Spren at all because she has memories longer than 30 seconds. She's able to interact with things differently. And she's exhibiting emotions that no other Spren have been revealed to exhibit. Yeah, that's fair. And because of this, I don't think she's really 
Well, I'm kind of betraying my showing my hand because I read a, a further. So just to make this point, I just I just have to show this this hand. It's revealed that she's not a windsprint, right? Yeah. In the coming chapters. Yep. Where she admits she's like, no, I'm not a windsprint. I'm something else. But it's really not given exactly what she is. So if she's not a windsprint, is she any sort of sprint at all? Is my question then? Mm-hmm. And her investment in Kaladin. And in Kaladin's success, seems to point to her being more than just, hey, I'm a sprint and I was bored and then I kind of decided I like this guy. So I'm going to stick around and, you know, help him out. Yeah. There seems to be a deeper layer to it. So Slava's assumption number two about Spren, about about Sil specifically. Sil, yeah. Yeah, maybe she's... Uh, not who she has revealed herself to be, and there's more coming. Is she evil? I don't think so. That'd be quite the surprise if she was, though. That'd be quite a surprise if she was, but... And you could be putting me on, but, you know, an honest answer, no. I don't think she's evil. And this, and, and right now, no. Well, not yet. Yeah. Not yet. So, unless she is an agent of Ray's, then she's not evil. Who created the Spren? Great. Which of the gods created Spren? Great question. That involves far too... Uh, too many additional details that you'll piece together from other books uh, for me to answer. Because the, the, I, I feel like the, the, the well, you, you gave me the answer already then. Like, I don't really even know who the god is. That that kind of uh, kind of points me in the direction. Vasher. Vasher did it. Not a god, but, you know, just, he, he and Nightblood just swept in and started slicing bits of reality off and just naming them yeah. things. So, every, yeah. So, Spren are just embodied spears that Nightblood massacred across the Cosmere. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I accept uh, this answer. It's not true, but we'll take it as truth anyway. Yep. yep. So, no, that's a good, uh, still a good answer. It gives me, uh, it gives me um, <laughs> at least a direction to look at, but then I can't answer your question more directly. No, no, no. May, and- maybe she's evil, if you bring that up, maybe. But right now, I'm looking at, I'm on chapter 61. That's how far ahead I am. Uh-huh. No. I have no evidence right, that she's right. evil. Okay, yeah. Okay. No evidence she's evil at the moment. All right, fine. Well, what if she pulls a Lyran? She steals something from Kaladin because, you know, Kaladin was going to marry her sister or something like that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm pulling up, I'm doing a callback to the absolutely I'm still, I still, <laughs> ridiculous conversation we had about Lyran and the spheres and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, just ignore me. I'm, you, I, this, none of this is relevant. I just badgering you you have to understand i have about five thousand milligrams of antihistamine in me i I don't know how much i've taken in the last uh in the last eight days but i have i have enough to probably you know walter white would be proud wow walter white hey yeah different series you know different series but listen not part of the cosmere (laughs) i'm so drugged up you could uh you could you could tell me that you can tell me anything about calvin or shallan make up a story that calvin and shallan have babies and go on to rule Roshar with an iron fist, and where the light eyes, the light eyes are made into slaves. I'll be like, oh, cool, all right, chapter seven, you can't wait. Perfect. Well, that's it. You've read ahead. That's what happens. Excellent. <laughs> all right. Speaking of Shallan, Shallan, let's keep rolling a, here. What what happens with Shallan? World she, of hurt. She was on suicide watch. And she was on suicide watch. What else? Apparently, got poisoned by good old uh, Cabsel. Casbol, Cabsel, whatever his name is. Cabal by the Cabal. See, with a cabal. See, I told you I didn't like him. There's nothing weird about him. He's a little skeevy little... Although I said he wasn't skeevy. I said he was off. But now, now I'm coming back and saying he's skeevy. So he, he, she was poisoned by Casbol, who got the poison wrong. Like, you know. 
It's the one way to do it. You know, he kills himself. Full almost send. Kill. Yeah, full send over here by getting. It's like you ever see those little videos yes. where it's like first day as an assassin, stir something into someone's drink, lick it. Literally turned himself into a meme. Yeah. So obviously Yasna wasn't going to save him, right? No, 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 no. Like everybody, she, like, she already at, didn't like. She, was, she already didn't like him. At this point, Shalon's on the floor convulsing. He's fallen over. Yasna understands what's going on. And this is from the previous episode, and it really didn't go into all the details there either. Yasna saves Shalon because at the last moment, Shalon gives her the Soulcaster back. Ooh. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Save Shalon, Cabal, Cabzel. The Cabal. <laughs> the Cabal. And so in, in, in this episode, Shalon wakes up in a private hospital room, so she's all feeling healthy and well. And but she has some trouble remembering what happened, and you know she sees a guard Not and surprised. another uh, yeah, and then another ardent, a female ardent watching over her, and then oh. slowly she remembers, oh yeah, I gave the soulcaster back to Yasna, and everything kind of starts flooding in. I think the king comes in, right? Teravangian. Yeah, king comes in and visits her, and she tries to play him a little bit, like saying, oh, I gotta go home, I miss my family, oh my gosh, stress. And Yasna comes and demands that Shalon tell her who ordered her to steal the Soulcaster. Dun, dun, dun. And Shalon admits, oh, no, it was nobody. It was me. It's, in fact, meeting you and finding you was just a big old ruse to get the Soulcaster so we can um, save my family, so I can save my family. And Yasna tells her, oh, that's great. So you're going to go home, and you throw away your career for absolutely nothing. You're a dumb girl. Bye-bye. Bye, Felicia. And wow, leaves. Felicia. So yeah, yeah. And then she just leaves Shalon in her room with her Ugh, with her thoughts guilt, and guilt. And shame. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know who would, but at no point here was I like, oh, I feel bad for Shalon. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's it's that same. It, this is like an extension of the conversation we've started a couple times, where it's like ethical dilemmas of okay, this person notably yep. notably is put into a difficult ethical dilemma. It's like, okay, she has to save her family. And if that was the story, if that was the book, you'd go, oh, man, I'm cheering for the main character. Really hope she saves her family. Don't care what she has to do to do it. But then you get Yasna to be humanized. So you, you get all of the preconceived thoughts of her being this monster and this heretic. Blah, blah, blah. And then you see her take care of Shalon and, and teach her and educate her. And, yeah, she's sharp and she's harsh and whatever, but she's not a bad person like we talked about. And so... Then Shalon steals from her, and you're like, oh, well, now I don't like Shalon. And now Yasna's scolding her and being like, you've thrown your future away. So, like, what do yeah, you think is going to happen? Yeah, well, d- share your thoughts and then tell me yeah. what you think is going to happen here. I just want to dovetail what you're saying. Would you do the same thing out of a sense of loyalty to your family, out of a sense of I need to save my family so they won't die? Would you do something similar? And maybe, maybe not. Probably, most people would. Most people would. Uh, we, yeah, we, can, you, we can we can gerrymander yeah. all day with. It, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. You can't. I'm mean, not. That's not where I'm going. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely all right, all right, not. All right. That's not where I'm going at all. But as you as you sit here, and Shalon with her, like as you said, with her shame and her thoughts, is left in the hospital room. You're like, yes, has a point. Irrespective of whether I would have done the same thing. You kind of made your own bed sleeping and chilling. Yeah, yeah. I might have done the same thing, and I might have felt just as shitty as she is feeling right now in that bed, but 
I would have to sit with it and be like, yep, I did what I did and put on your big boy pants, big girl pants in this case, and you failed. You tried and you failed, and Yasna was right. Yasna's always right. So I want to take a step back real quick, just a little bit before this. When Shalon first wakes up, Yasna comes in and tries to apologize. Mm-hmm. That's what was that like for you? Because Yasna has been this woman who's right about everything, doing some deep research about God knows what, pun intended, and uh, you know, we just don't we we get a good glimpse of who she is. She's been humanized, but like she she has this fun back and forth with Shalon where she's like, I don't I don't know how to apologize. Yeah, yeah. There's another uh exchange similar to that in the previous chapters too where Yasna and Chilan kind of I don't want to call it a battle of wits because it really wasn't that but they kind of play with words yeah they were playing and back and forth just a little, little back. whatever yeah yeah so here you see Yasna genuinely concerned that something she did caused Chilan to commit suicide and that survivor's brings guilt, out if you will and that brings her to you know, do the right thing. So so it gives you a glimpse into Yasna's character that despite being abrasive or perceived to be abrasive, whatever she's doing, she wants to do the right thing. So her coming to apologize to Shalon, I think just shows her character. So you're saying that you like Yasna on a different level. Is that, That's what I heard. That's that's my take. Yeah, right? you could say that. That's a, that's a fair, fair thing. That's a fair way of saying it. Yeah. Yasna, man. She's she's something, I tell you. There's so much more I want to say here, but I I I'm like withholding I'm withholding information and just thinking about it as I go. But I can't say these things because of reasons. Anyway, okay, okay. So what do you think Shalon's gonna do? How how is she gonna save her family? How's this gonna pan out? Well, she has a month to think about it, right? She's gonna be in a boat. Somebody's picking her up. That's still coming in a couple of days. Or True. has. Or has Yasna made arrangements? I forget exactly. But one of those things is true. And so she has a month to think about it. And what is she going to do? I don't know. She might not do anything. She might run away. Well, you know that that's not, you know, uh, okay. So is that going to make a good story? Like, does that fit the profile that is the author, Brandon Sanderson? She's just going to run away? Well, if she's going to run away, we never hear from that character again, then no, that's not a good story. Okay. But if she run decides to run away and has a story arc there, and that adventure, then yeah, that could be an interesting story. Interesting. Okay. And what's going to become of Yasna now that this has happened? Because of this? I don't think this is going to affect... Are you asking if this is going to affect Yasna's studies somehow? Or Yasna's place in in this uh, kingdom? Is this going to affect how we interact? Are we going to get to spend time with Yasna now that Shalon's moving on? Yeah, of course we are. She's supposed to be visiting the... The war camp soon. She's going around collecting information, doing studies to help her family discover something. So we'll definitely meet her again. All right. Otherwise, then, you know, to point back your accusation towards you, it would be an interesting story if Yasan just disappeared off the face of the earth or off the face of Rashar. Uh, I'll say this. I've paused too long. I'm going to draw too much attention to this. I'll say nothing. She's getting killed off, isn't she? That's not... No, that's not exactly it. I can't. I just. I've. I've drawn too much attention to this moment because of my long mm-hmm. pause. That anything that I say is too much or too little of a clue. Uh, so I'll just tell you, Yasna's pregnant. All right, that is a. That's a lie. Is that why? anyway? 
That's so, a lie. Yeah, it's a lie. Um, because oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. It's capsules. Like well, now, I'm glad he's dead. No, I'll leave a fatherless child. A fatherless child. Yeah, fatherless child. A bastard. Dead. I didn't say that. Um, I mean, that's what bastards are. Anyway. So, all right. Well, very funny. Well played. That's Yasa's pregnant. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have any. I if I say any yeah, of the you, real that's things, a great diversion. I it's a great yeah. Diversion. If I say any of the real things, uh, I you're gonna. It's yeah. I'm Slav. I'm still trying to figure out this line of giving you a little bit. I'm trying to get better at that. I'll give you a little bit. If I just verbally vomit everything that happens in in the system, like everyone's gonna stop listening. They're just gonna go, oh, all right. Well, thanks for saving me. You know, two hundred hours. Of no, I got gotcha. you. It's, it's, it's a so, thing we're doing. Yeah. So, uh, Yasna's journey will take some interesting turns. Now that I've said it, I, I I think it'd be really interesting if Sanderson did make her pregnant. The smartest woman in the world is now going to be a mother. Wow. Is she the smartest person in the world? Yeah. It like, says that in, in the, the story. It says that. It says that she. One of the earlier chapters is like she's the most intelligent scholar to have lived in. Da 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 da. Whatever. We. Okay. It was, yeah. It was yeah. in one of these earlier chapters. Very cool. Well. I wish her were much luck and happiness and and her baby long life. Who would you pick? I mean, we're on the topic, so we just got we got to talk about it. Who who of all the characters we've met, who would be the the best father? And don't you dare say Amram. No, would have been funny though if you did. Wait, no, not Amram. Amram would not be a good father. Right. Well, that's why but, I'm asking. But you. I, I, I I don't trust you. I don't I don't. You guys can't <laughs> see this, but I'm pointing a accusatory <laughs> finger at at the camera. Okay. No, not Amaram. Not Calden either. Um, nah, it's too young. She'd be like too a, young and it's too cliche. Oh, the bridge man, uh, you know, you know. True, that's the true. the princess. Well, okay. Well, shut up. Pick one. <laughs> Just pick one. First instinct. Just pick one. And it can't be any of her family members, which is like half the cast so far. I have no idea. Nobody that I nobody that I've met would I be like, yeah, I wish he was my dad. Well, that wasn't the question. The question would be who would it be funny? Well, who who do you think? I didn't say funny, but I was thinking funny because I'm always thinking funny. It's why I like Taft. Taft. That's a great answer, man. That'd be a oh, how would that even take place? Yasna would have to be in a drunken stupor, and this is yeah. okay. This is super interesting. I would I would pick Rock. I think Rock would be a fun dad. I think Lopin would be a fun dad, since we're in the bridge crew the right now. Guy? Yeah. Lopin and all of his cousins. And then I think it would be Hoyd would be fun for a dad too. Yeah. Yeah. I see a Teft is a Teft would be like the grizzled old oh, yeah. know, sea dog kind of dad. And Amaram would be the worst dad. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, no, he'd be worse than Elokar. I know that they're related, but just like picking someone. Just as like individual beings. Woof. Alright, moving forward. Any final thoughts on Shalan and Yasna? That was a fun. I I'm gonna start lying to you because that was a fun side quest. You had me. I'm like, he's not lying. This can't be a lie. This has to. Be, yeah. And I started thinking like, who, who, when, how? Then I was like, wait a minute. A parchment. They're so quiet and obedient. Uh. Wow. Indeed. Um. So Baxel. What is it called? I'm I'm shoving us off the side quest. Okay. All right. Hopefully. All right. Shalon will figure it out. We'll see Yasna again. And we are now at interlude seven. Interlude seven. So what? Give us the rundown. What takes place here? It's a it's a six, uh, three character short story from Baxel and two others. And what are they doing? They're destroying art. 
like every good communist manifesto should. Yep, they're just walking around. I guess they're holding the tools, and their mistress is knocking around art, cutting art up, destroying statues. I don't know why, but you know sometimes when you read something, you can read it in other people's voices, or you get like an image of it. For some reason, when I was reading this interlude, it read like an anime scene to me. Like, I felt like this would be a good anime. It it reads that way, yeah. I can see Doesn't that. It? Yeah, fully. Like, yeah, like their mistress is some, like, crazy, and she's just destroying art and these two bumbling morons are just walking around having their commentary. I made them out more silly in my head. As I was reading them, I imagined them a lot more silly than maybe Brandon Sanderson intended. I feel like they're pretty silly, though. They are, but I even, in my mind, I kind of went farther. I'm like, I made them out to be sillier than presented on paper. True. But So this is a little hard to garner, but I will, I will throw well, I think, it. No, go for it. Yeah. I think the point of the interlude is not necessarily that these guys are walking around destroying artwork, but I think the point of the interlude is to maybe get us thinking about old magic. Yes, that's part of it. I was going to ask you about the old magic. Tell me about the old magic. Well, you can go seek it. You can go find it. You can get a wish granted, but the wish will come with the lifelong curse, too. Okay. And where do you think the old magic lies? Where do you think the old magic comes from? Like, do you have any inklings on that at the moment? Maybe it's in the same time period as the Way of Kings, meaning the book that Gavilar is reading, or Dalinar is reading. Mm -hmm. So maybe from that time period. Okay. But it seems to be a double-edged sword for those who seek it. A very double-edged sword, very much so. So uh, one of the things that I was starting to say a second ago, the, the character named Mistress in this section is actually one of the heralds. Oh. So, and I don't feel super bad about revealing this because the heralds are important to every one of the books. You meet two of the heralds in each of the books, though you might not know it. This is one of those instances. Okay. This is actually Shalash. She goes by Ash and has been, well... Prior to the true desolation, she was traveling the world, destroying any depiction of herself she could find. Does that offer a little more context to the... Yeah, so she's destroying depictions of herself, yeah. or now just going nuts and destroying anything, depiction of gods? At least of herself. At least of herself. That makes sense. And the other heralds, probably. Okay. Okay. What is that? So that kind of puts some things in perspective. That's why yeah. the these Baxel and Av, or Av, whatever his name is, they're afraid of her to some degree. They have at least a bit of reverence, right? They're not. Let's just say they're mindful of her power. That's how I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna put it. So that makes more sense that she's a herald. Yeah. Yep. And the so the tough part, or the fun part, if you will, about the heralds. There's two heralds in every book. Is that you kind of have to keep an eye out for them. They don't always appear in interludes. Sometimes they appear in alleyways. And sometimes they get arrested. No, not in this instance, but I'm sure okay. I imagine that uh, some of them have been arrested for reasons, but what you're referring to is that's that was not a herald. Okay. I'm referencing something that will happen in a different book. So. Oh, okay. Because there's two things that happen in the alleys already. True. True. Okay. Interesting. Any other thoughts on, on, well, let me ask this question, actually. If you had the chance to consult the old magic, would you? And if you did, I actually thought about it. I think, at the very least, I'd consider it. 
I'm just knowing myself. I would definitely consider it. There would have to be something overwhelming to stop me from consulting it. I'm putting myself into this world as just a regular. Yeah, you're in Roshar. Slava the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for the sake of doing it, no. But if presented the option, it would take a lot to dissuade me. I think. I think I would risk the curse. But you know, if if my curse is in being eaten alive by rats every day, I would probably regret the decision immediately. If my curse was seeing the world upside down, you know, maybe I should have done this differently, but I wouldn't be too upset, right? But I, I think that that's an, as an honest answer as you're going to get out of anybody. Right, right. Um, I would definitely go and, and pursue it. But the thing is, it's both easier to find and not a guarantee, which we'll find out in later books. Hmm. And also, sometimes your curse isn't necessarily a curse. There you go. Because... If I'm looking for it, like I said, real or perceived, I feel I needed to fix something. This is not me getting a wish and saying, I wish I had a billion dollars and a hot wife, or I wish I was famous, or I wish I was a king. I'm not talking about some kind of genie, you know, thought experiment. If I'm look, I'm trying to be as precise to the world as possible if slava you know we joked around my green eyes slava the light eyes of the fifth non for some reason needs old magic is he doing it yes he's doing it most likely and it would take a while a lot for him to be to walk away i would risk a curse if i felt necessary felt it necessary i think hypothetically hypothetically uh, next week in the episode, Slava gets taken to jail for slaughtering a goat to worship the Dark Lord Odium. Stay tuned oh. for more. Well, luckily, they'll allow the microphone in jail because it's minimum security. All I did is kill a goat. Hmm. In public, in front of children, at a school. Details. Minor details, my friend. And why would you say I worship Odium? Well, yeah. Dark magic. Odium. Murdering goats. So fair enough. Never mind. Your joke stands. I was gonna, I was gonna try to poke holes in it, and but yeah. Mind. Well, here's another hole. You're pregnant. I'm pregnant. It's odious. By the father. So should we move on from Let's, our? Uh... Yeah, I was just trying to pull up the next chapter here. The next interlude. So we have Garanid and Asher. They're two Ardents who are older. They research a lot of things, and they're talking about spren, right? Yeah, they measure. Flames. Yeah, they measure a flame spren, and they take notes. And when the note is taken, it locks in place what the Spren was doing. So they're running tests on Spren in the physical realm. So, yeah, right. So I'm reading here. When he calls out the actual measurement, the Spren locks in place. It seems to know when it's being measured. That's kind of interesting. It is. So even the Spren, who are not as aware as Syl, if she even is a Spren, seem to be a lot more cognitive of their world or their surroundings than people give them credit for yes okay what does that make you think about well we already know they're created and they're created for a purpose so they might even understand their purpose because they come out when necessary so rot spren come out when there's an infection fire spren come out when there's fire fear spren come out when there's fear 
There's a conversation that I'm kind of hearkening back to a little bit where Tian and Calden and their mom are talking and there's even like, you know, poop spren or internal spren, like spren living in bones and muscle tissue. And the conversation is not that intricate, but that's kind of what they're talking about the in that chapter. There. Yeah. The implication is there. So remembering very little of this interlude, my Slava's assumption would be that what I said, they're more cognitive than people believe and there's a lot more connections between physical and spiritual on Roshar or in the Cosmere. That would be just, uh, again, preliminary assumptions that I'm making. I think that's a fair assumption. There's a question that comes up at some t- at some point that says, are Flamespren the fire itself or are they drawn to the fire? Yeah, I remember that. I do remember that part of the, the interlude. The question is also implied in that exchange that I just mentioned about T and Calden and their mom, but you know, poop spren. It's implied there too. Right? Where does spren come from? Why do they appear when they appear? Yeah, are they drawn to the flame or are they the flame itself? So kind of is this like a pantheistic thing, or are they or does the fire itself call them? Which I'm just repeating what you just said. It's good. Good questions. Good questions. Any other thoughts on these guys? Not right now. Nothing with any meat on the bone, right? Because mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm processing spread, and I know I text you. Yeah. You know that meme, like I knew it that there's sill. Was there something more to sill than? Yeah. Than what we got so far, but again, I'm chapter sixty-one, so that's that's for next time, boys and girls. But nothing, nothing with meat on his bones, and I don't want to just sit here and yam around without without purpose. Fair enough. So fair it's enough. One thing, it's one thing making assumptions and kind of you hacking through the the jungle. Probably speaking, uh, on the air with the listeners, there's another thing that just ramble on for no reason. So nothing I'm comfortable saying yet. How's that? Confident. I'm not confident sharing it. I was going to say, what are you uncomfortable saying? A lot of things. All right. A lot of things. A lot of things. Let's wrap this boy up with uh, our favorite assassin in white, Zeth Sunsun Volano. Yes, sir. Remind us what he's up to. Well, murder. Well, yeah. Our friend Zeth is under new management. He has a new master, and this master sent him to kill a bunch of prominent Rosharians. And one of them is is King Hannah Vanar. Am I saying that right? Uh, Hannah Vanar? Yeah, Hanavar. Hanavar works. So he's at a banquet that is actually a trap for him because he's been going around town murdering everybody on that list that he's got word has traveled about this assassin so this king of yakaved says a trap for him by throwing a party and so zeth proceeds to slaughter all the people in the party all of because them. he was told to and uh then drive swords through the faces of guards and then the king himself which is like oh okay just another average tuesday all right zeth you you really hate doing this, don't you? Do it with gusto. He does it with gusto. Do you think that how many books do you think Seth is going to be alive for? Right? He's like the he's like the bad guy, right? Like is that fair to say? I feel like that's fair to say. Right? Like with the way the story's been building, although we don't see him as the bad guy like the the people in the world, right? Like it I'm I'm trying to like gauge your assumptions. So if that's not your assumption then like speak now or forever hold your peace or death all right, 
on on its face, the definitions for a bad guy in literature and in movies, he's not a bad guy, right? He's not like an he's not the antagonist. He's definitely not the protagonist, right? But he's not a good guy either, willing or unwilling. And again, this goes back to maybe the worldview conversation we had a couple episodes ago, because we come to this you know book with our worldviews and our presuppositions. We judge Zeth based on those things. And, you know, it is what it is. We, we live in the real world. That's fictional. He does horrible things. I'm not taking his side because when he's, like, cutting himself and putting beer on his head in, in a previous interlude because his master told him to, I'm like, okay, yeah, you're truthless. You're the bottom rung of your people, but you're not going to get any sympathy out of me for that. Like, that doesn't mean that you act like a piece of crap. Like, your, your stature in life does not dictate that you must be a garbage person. Uh, for his culture, it might. He's a gar- garbage culture. Anyway, back to the actual question, which is a very good one, I think. I He's definitely a bad guy because he does this willingly. Now, people who have read the books might be sitting there going, but Slava, in this book, in this chapter... This is this is how it unfolds. He is forced to do this. That he has no he has no choice whatsoever, and that might be it. But that doesn't make him like a redeemable character. Maybe that's what you're asking. Is he a redeemable character? Well, I, I think that's a good question to ask. It's not the question that I was asking. My assumption of where you're at with Zeth is that he's the bad guy in this book, and I'm just like trying to piece that together based on conversations we had. But like, could be completely wrong on that. However, if he's the bad guy, the bad guy always loses. That's that's the you know that's the archetype. Good guys win, bad guys lose, right? Like sure. So how long is Zeth gonna? Well, if he is the bad guy, he might last another book or two. But I, I think he's gonna get his uh, get his uh, just just reward. Just reward, yeah. His comeuppets. Yeah. Comeuppets. There you go. That's the word I was looking to say. I like. I like. Yeah. But if he is truly a good character, meaning like a good guy that's bound to an unbreakable, almost supernatural oath. He's forced to do this, and he's still going to die, I think, eventually. Um, I don't think we'll see him in book four or five, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. He dies with a bad reputation without the, the, the people around him knowing exactly what was driving him or why he was doing what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And if he's a bad guy, he just dies because he's a bad guy. And I know that's kind of almost a cop-out answer, but because at this point I'm almost forced into some, a lot of cop-out answers because I'm basing my assumptions on the little I know right. and what little I read. This is book one, and we're in chapter 50-something, not even. Yeah, so well, this, so we, we did 51, and then these are the three interludes. So this is like interlude nine, basically, because it's three interludes per section. So, yeah. Yeah, you're using the information you have. Yeah, it's, a, it's fair. So... Let's uh, let's land this plane, and then I have one one question to end us off at the very All end. All right. But uh, what's the worst book you've ever read, and why is it The Way of Kings? <laughs> oh goodness! Oh um, man, I got you twice this episode. You did. Oh, you did. that's funny. But that's a good question. The worst book I've ever read. I couldn't give you an answer. Yeah, you will come back I'm to sh- it. That that's that I'm wasn't sure my real is. question. I was just trying to get your get your goats. No, no, it's all good. But uh, so what is the vibe? I mean, I know you like Wave Kings, right? So what's the feeling of, of the Cosmere and what's going on? I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier. Like, do you have any assumptions about what's going on 
in the greater Cosmere story based on the information we're getting here? Yes. And I think I mentioned it in an earlier episode. Okay. If I didn't cut it, because sometimes we go rambling on SideQuest for three hours and then that, that gets cut. Yeah. So one of my assumptions is that the desolations are returning. They were gone for about 4,500 years, 4,700 years. Give or take 100. And they're coming back. That's why Kaladin's seen visions. That's why Dalinar has seen visions. Maybe why Yasna although not really connected to the visions, but maybe why Yasna is doing the research she's doing. Maybe she doesn't even know that's going to be connected. So something big is coming to Roshar, right? Odium comes. It's going to be world-altering, and I think the Colin family is going to feel it. They're in charge of Roshar. I mean, they're in charge of... Um, Alethkar, but I mean, Alethkar. They're they're. It's not a wrong statement to say that they're in charge of Roshar. It is because it's not technically true, but it is. I mean, Alethkar is like a warring nation, so it's not wrong either. So they're the big guys in the street, right? The big boys in the street. Yeah, I think whatever it is coming, it's going to affect them. I think Kaladin's going to get drugged into it. So that's my assumptions right now. Perfect. And then for the final question to land this plane. What would it be like to have Zeth as a father with uh, Yasna being the mother? Wait, Zeth? Why not? Well, you got a problem with Shin people? Racist. A little bit. He's a truthless and she's a princess. And? Warbreaker. Warbreaker? He was a god king and she was a princess. Yeah, different. Oh, that's different. Okay. That's different. Okay. Yeah, and that's arbitrary. It's very arbitrary. It's not. I just, uh... It's not. They're two different. A god king, a god king, and a regular human? Come on. Hey, it's the way of the, kings. the way of the world. Oh, you had a joke here. You could have. Oh, it's the way of the kings. Anyway, all right. The end of this episode. You missed out on a really good joke. I did well because I Zeth San Valano. Like, what is he gonna do with Yasna? Please, Yasna would eat him alive. He's not gonna do anything with Yasna. He'll sit what? in the corner and cry Which? and suck on his thumb. <laughs> uh, this is our best side quest to date for this book. I think. But seriously, fine. All right, I'll. I'll take off my elitist, green-eyed, you know, light-eyes cap for a second mm. and forget that Zeth San Valano is a truthless. What is he going to do with a woman like Yasna, really, besides just blow bubbles and giggle? Because he's there's nothing for him to do there. Now, if Yasna needs somebody, you know, hacked to death, you know, and impaled to the wall, I'm sure Zeth would say, yes, your brightness, and uh, go do his job. Well, But as far it's... as impregnating anybody, Zeth... <laughs> That's just, uh, Here's the thing, though. She murder. doesn't need to be protected. We saw that already. She's very capable of committing a mass well, murder. Well, then he has nothing to do with her. He just keep on walking but past But what if the it happens? It's not going to happen. <laughs> Don't you dare. No. Maybe maybe Yasna will turn his blood into fire and Ooh, burn him alive. That's a good... Yeah, maybe he finally comes for her. All right, that's she... the episode. Nope, that's it. Leave that in. Shouldn't have paused. See, the pause is powerful. The pause is, this is why, like, when I realize that I've paused for too long, I can't say anything relevant, and I have to go on a side quest that's just completely false, but could be true, because you don't know. What I was going to say is, maybe he is sent for her, and she has to defend herself. <laughs> but that pause, and then I looked at you, and there it is. There it is. Goodbye, good people. Goodbye.